This is Film Critics Weekly on August the 2nd, 2019. My name is Simon Thompson. On the show today, Tel Aviv on Fire, Love Antosha, Them That Follow, Hobbs and Shaw, Loose, and the LAFCES Pick of the Week, The Nightingale. Stay tuned. Hello, welcome to the show. It is Film Critics Weekly, presented by LAOFCS. My name is Simon Thompson. It is August the 2nd, 2019. A lot of movies to get through this week. If you're wondering who I am, you might know me from Meet the Movie Press. If not, why haven't you checked out Meet the Movie Press? Uh, you can find me on social media at Simon on Instagram and Twitter. And with me are two other members of LAOFCS. First of all, uh, Rama, who are you and where can we find you? Who am I? I don't know. You know. <laughs> this is a very existential question. <laughs> exactly. um, Who are any of us, Rama? Who are any of us? <laughs> well, my name is Rama. I am YouTuber, blogger, entertainment journalist, and I have my own website. And uh, subscribe to my YouTube.com slash RamaScreen1. Fantastic. And Nestor? My name is Nestor Ventancor. I run the website desdehollywood.com. I also have this YouTube channel called Nestor Cine, where I do reviews and stuff. And I'm also a member of this great organization. And I'm very happy to be here with you guys. It's great to have you guys on here. Fantastic. Thank you. This is my first time hosting this show, so it's slightly nervous. I usually do meet the movie press, so this is very different for me. Uh, with a nice spangly showbiz studio, which is also fantastic. Okay, uh, a lot of movies coming out this week. We probably have the most movies coming out this week than we've had for quite a while. Uh, in case you're interested, Tel Aviv on Fire is out this week. It's a film that, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see. Um, but uh, the reviews for this one have been a little bit mixed. Um, it's not a wide release, a little bit mixed. So, uh, so I am curious to see it. I kind of like that kind of movie, but, uh, you know, we'll see if audiences do. Uh, Love Antosha is another one that's coming out this week, which is a uh, a documentary about the life um, and work of Anton Yelchin. Now, Rama, you have seen this one, so uh, tell me a little bit about it and what you what you thought about that movie. Yes, uh, I had the fortune of uh, screening this uh, I think a few weeks ago, mm. and I'm interviewing the the producer today later on. Uh, so, I. I, I'm a big. I was a big fan of Anton Yelchin. Um, I, I thought he was a fantastic actor. So this documentary is pretty straight up, uh, covering you know from uh, when he was a kid, a kid actor, all the way to you know Star Trek, and as you know his untimely death. And uh, it it covered the fact that he was a Renaissance man. He the mm. guy was just so curious about a lot of things. Even dabbled into photography, even the weirdest stuff that you could think of. And then um, the, the interview with his parents were some of the most, you know, um, it tugs at your heartstrings moments kind of thing. And so I highly recommend this uh, uh, documentary for those of you Anton Yelchin fans out there. Um, I, but I'm, you know, even more than that, I'm looking forward to the narrative feature film about, about his life. Hopefully that will happen. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that will happen? Is that something that is, you know, is, is, is being discussed, has been discussed? Oh, it hasn't. But uh, I, I think, you know, it's just a matter of time. One thing I remember when, when Anton Yelchin died, as you say, he was a Renaissance man. And he was very much he'd done a lot of movies in quite a short space of time with his career. Yes. But when, when there was the tragedy of his death, I was very surprised by the amount of reaction that it got from news media. Because he was known, but he certainly wasn't a household name by the average people. How is that kind of handled, his death in the documentary? Yeah, uh, that that was handled really well. And that, and that it covered the fact that he, like you said, did a lot in span, a short span of his uh, life and his career. And also um, a lot of the talking heads, like Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pine, they showed up on the documentary 
um, uh, describing uh, how they or their relationship behind the scenes or mm-hmm. on the set. So that that you know that also uh, adds to the emotion that the documentary already has uh, for for us, the audience. Is it interesting to to hear the people who worked with him and the people who were close and, and describing their relationships? Because it's it's a very different kind of relationship when you you're working on a movie with somebody. Because if you have friends, you have a real friendship. But when you're working on a movie, you work together for about four or five weeks, and then you say goodbye and you see each other in the premiere of the That's junket, <laughs> and you might not ever work together, but you kind of see each other by ships in the night. Is it interesting to to hear these people? who worked with him for remarkably short amounts of time when you think about it have such a strong bond with him it is it is interesting and like you said you know that doesn't happen often like mm. you said uh, so uh, the fact that they describe and I think some of them even almost broke into tears a couple times I think Jennifer Lawrence did in this documentary wow and, and Chris Pine described like that gate that gate took my friend I can't believe it. That one small space in, in that on that gate. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he, he was like so pissed off at the gate. So um, it, it, it goes to show that they actually bonded long after the whatever movie projects that they did you know, were done. So. Nestor, were you a fan of, of Anton's work? Big fan. And talking about what you just mentioned, you know, in the case of Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, these actors had a chance to work with him for a longer period of time. Yeah. And I remember interviewing Zoe Salania for the second Star Trek, I mean, for Star Trek Beyond, and she got very emotional. Very emotional because in, in a case like that, they, they, they were able to spend more time with him. Yeah. And people just love him. Love him. And I think that the audience really got the sense of a the sense of a very emotional, a very open actor. You can kind of see through the character that kind of kind soul. Yeah. And he was able to play in so many mm-hmm. genres, science fiction, action, romantic comedies, mm-hmm. drama, uh, thrillers, etc. etc. So it was it was a great tragedy. Obviously, primarily at a, at a human level, yep. and in the in second um, part, more of a professional well, it was in, one. It was interesting with that that third Star Trek movie by the fact that his character had been popular in the first two movies, and yet it was that one that actually we really got to see Chekhov come forward and really have much more of a role in the narrative. And That's then, true. and then he died. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, you're just starting to really get the roles that match the love that audiences have for you, and it's over. And you know, it's harsh. And his talent goes beyond just the, the, those three Star Trek movies. Like, yeah. if, you, if you've seen his other films as well, I think I think if he had lived longer, he would have won an Oscar one of these years. Yeah, yeah. I, he was very much heading through that path. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that he was an artist as well. I mean, I remember I would exactly. drive through through Hollywood, and not long after his death, there was a exhibition that was only meant to run for about three or four weeks that his family had put on with some of his uh, photographic work. And uh, it ran for ages, you know, it ran for a couple of months because people really wanted to go and check this out. And a lot of people in the Hollywood community really appreciated him as an artist as well. So you think as far as documentaries go, it's a very strong field right now. Um, This is one that people should definitely seek out in the theatre. Yes, I think so. And uh, I don't know about the award season coming up in the in the fall, but I think it's a very powerful, compelling documentary. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Okay, another movie that's coming out this week is Them That Follow. Uh, Rama, again, is another <laughs> one that you've seen. Uh, now, this is a movie that's already played at a number of festivals this yeah. year. Um, it got a pretty good response. It premiered here in L.A. this week. Tell us a little bit about that. 
I saw this at South by Southwest with Scott Mann, Scott Menzel, and Ashley Menzel. <laughs> so it was quite a quite an LOCS thing. Good gathering. company, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good company. And uh, I actually liked it, but it was a bit of a slow burn. So okay. you gotta be really patient. It's about this community and I uh, that uh, kind of ha- snake handling community. You know, the, one of those religions. That's oh, so another weird. one about one of those snake handling communities. <laughs> exactly. My God, seriously, I'm sick of seeing these damn movies. There are more of those than Marvel movies. Outrageous. <laughs> but here's thing I, yeah i'm a big fan of any movies that makes fun of fundamentalist religion so um you know that that i'm a bias i'm a bias when it comes to that kind of uh, aspect of the the film itself but um uh, the acting olivia coleman is in it and and Wal- walton goggins is in it and walton goggins is always great when it comes to yeah. like backward you know uh, you know backward kind of story so uh, that alone you know is, is enough to appeal to me so, I mean, what kind of genre would you put it into? Because, I mean, a lot of people will expect this to be kind of classified as as a, as a kind of a horror movie. Or a thriller. Or least. a thriller. Is that kind of where it fits? I would say it's psychological drama. Okay, yeah, interesting. Not necessarily crossing over to thriller yet. But uh, there's a suspenseful moment at the end of it, or the end scene. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's like straight up thriller. It's just drama, yeah. It's about um, the rebellious, you know. The, I was like, oh no, we have to go through our tradition of, you know, doing this snake testing. No, no, I don't. I want to be progressive. That kind of that kind of wrestle between two mindsets. So I'm guessing if you hate snakes, it's like the movie you should definitely avoid <laughs> yes. this week, right? It sounds it sounds like the Democrats uh, debate, you know, being more progressive, more conservative. What's going on? I would handle a snake differently. Yeah. So I, it, it, it's kind of it's one of That's these movies one. that I think you know it, it, I think it, it obviously has an audience and it got well received at, at the festivals. But is it one of those movies that you should see in a movie theater, or is it one of those movies uh, that you should see, but you don't necessarily need that experience? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you have to see it in the theaters. Um, so this is one of those things that we're like, no, you gotta see it. No, I'm not gonna, you know, force you to see it on the big screen. I think you can wait till it comes on DVD. Definitely, okay. Yeah. So I mean, what are I mean, what are the high points of it? If you had to try and sell this movie to somebody who, and I'll admit it, it it's it's had very little publicity. I've not mm. seen any sort of a lot of stuff online. I've seen nothing with with bus backs even here in LA or posters at all. So for those people who have really no idea, what is a plus point? Why would you how would you sell this movie? Cuz obviously the studio haven't. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I wouldn't know the exact answer to that. I mean because other than Olivia Coleman and Walton Goggins, it's like like I said earlier, the story it's very you know, a slow burn. It it doesn't really you know it doesn't really appeal to wider audience. Um, so I'm not sure how to sell it you know properly. But um, it, I think it's it's still one of those movies that you know if you watch it once you'll you'll appreciate it. But it's not like you're gonna watch it twice. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, yeah. are, are the snakes on a plane or <laughs> or what kind of vehicles are the snakes, snakes. in? Snakes in a snakes in a cult. Snakes in the snakes back. In the yeah. Snakes in a cult. <laughs> snakes in the cult. Yeah, I want to get these mother loving snakes off this mother loving cult. That's a surprise. It's a surprise yeah. cameo at the end. Surprise, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> hey, do you know what? It really genuinely wouldn't surprise me if Sam Jackson suddenly turned up. So, what kind of film? A lot of people go, "What is it like?" So, if you had to try and compare mm. this movie and them that follow to another movie, what other movies is it like? I, it's uh, the one that kind of reminds me a lot of uh, is Big Love. It's a not, it's not a movie. It's a TV show. Okay, Remember that with uh, yeah, Bill I Paxton. do. Uh, I think what were the Mormons, right? Mormons, mm. I believe. Yeah. So yeah. that community were like, oh no, we gotta stick to the religion or tradition. This is how we do things. And some people were like, no, let's 
kind of do astray from that. That's that's what it reminds me of. And is there a moral of the story? Is there a lesson? Is there a message? Or yeah, but at the heart of it is there's also a bit of romance. Uh, so you know you gotta have love interest. So <laughs> there's that. But yeah, that, that's usually. Uh, I mean, that's not usually. That's that is the crux of the, uh, the them that follow. Okay, yeah. it's uh, snake on snake action. So if you're a big fan <laughs> of that, then that's great. Uh, perhaps the biggest release uh, of the week is obviously uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. So going to give a bit of time to that. We're going to come back to this movie later in the show as well. Uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. It's a yep. spin-off from the Fast and Furious franchise, from obviously characters that were introduced in uh, latter entries in that. Um, I've got to be honest with you. I think this is one of the most ridiculous movies I've seen this year. I mean, it's it's... <laughs> It, it's insanely ridiculous. I was like, that, there are no movies that this year that I have sat there and gone literally, what? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so beyond, like, being grounded in reality without it being actual science fiction. But I cannot deny that I had a huge amount of fun yes. with this. I mean, it's it's stupid, but also <laughs> quite genius. Uh, okay, so Nestor on this, first of all, I can see the look on your face. I don't know which way this is going to go. Your thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw? I think that the movie really works, you know? What is yeah. this movie about? This is a spin-off, and it's a spin-off of Fate of the Furious, of what we saw in that movie, mm-hmm. of that dynamic with these two characters. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that movie, because yeah. they really used these actors and their charisma beyond mm-hmm. the, the physical aspect and I was looking forward to see more yeah. and this movie delivers on that and it is using all the essential elements of the franchise yeah. but they are using more of one ing- ingredient that is the comedy you know yes. this is <laughs> funnier than the rest but is it too much I couldn't decide whether there was too much humor in well this. I mean that that this is too much, too furious, too hot, too whatever. I mean, it, it is it is an overkill of everything. It's yeah. too much comedy, it is too much action, and I think that that's my main negative critique of the film. It is too long, you know? Okay. There is no reason why this movie has to be two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. It has the same running time of Fate of the Furious. I don't know if that was intentional kind of to compete with Vin Diesel. Director's cut. I'm going to show you, you know? Uh, so if we cut down some of those comedic scenes and some of... But you know what? I, I can tell you this. For me, the, the worst part of the movie are when the movie tries to go away from the action yeah. and the comedy and focuses on this kind of, I don't know, um, more sentimental aspect mm. or more profound aspect or when we go into the villains and we want to be serious about this organization that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that's when the movie for me, you know, kind of the shift the, the, of the, the pace was a little bit. The tone yeah, like, guys, too much don't, of it. Don't even try. Don't even try to yeah. convey kind of a message of this echo terrorism, whatever. Because nobody cares ultimately. <laughs> nobody cares. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm always for like you need a good story, but ultimately no one cares. They just want to see people beating the crap out of each other yeah. and saying funny stuff. And 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 when the movie does that, and I think I think it was a great team put together. Yeah. You know, I think David Leach was the right man for this. Uh, Vanessa Kirby was a fantastic addition to this movie. Yeah. She is awesome. And then again, we are using these two great uh, stars. Um, and when it comes to, to the comedy, I think that they bring something to the table, you mm. know, the actors. But at the same time, the script is helping. Them. It's not the best script in the world. No. But if you compare what they are doing here to something like Baywatch, 
something like the Meg, yeah. something like um, Rampage, you're gonna see that oh, you know this, the, the quality of the comedy is is better. Yeah, and I think that is better than most of the Fast and Furious movies because this one has a winky tongue-in-cheek tone consistently from yeah. beginning to end. It never takes itself seriously. So even when the comedy doesn't work, yeah. I'm laughing at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, I, so I get it. So I'm having a, a good time. So, Rama, your, your thoughts on uh, yeah, Hobbs and, and Shaw? And to add to that, the, 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 the last part of the movie became a tourism advertisement for Samoa. And <laughs> so I'm wondering, like, the, somebody should do research if the tourism spike after the movie's released <laughs> in Samoa. Well, <laughs> yeah, there is that. But also, it makes Samoa look like the nighttime and daytime, like, change, like, on a dime. Because there's the, the, the final, the, like, big payoff scene, the fight scenes, where it's dawn, and then it's bright daylight, and then something <laughs> happens, and it's suddenly the middle of the night with a storm again, and I'm like, what? what? Climate change. Yeah, oh, that's a good yeah, big problem, big problem. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, so, no. so Rami, you, you were saying, I mean, yeah. it, it is a bit like a tourism video, and, in, and, and again, for London as well. Exactly, and the, and the, to the comedy point, um, I love the how they roast each other. I mean, I, I thought Jeff Ross wrote the jokes. It was just, it was just so funny how yeah. Dwayne Johnson and, and Jason Lim keeps, keeps making fun of each other you know, size. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Uh, after 90, I mean, I can handle 90 minutes of one silly action sequence after another, you know. Yeah. But past 90 minutes, it's just like, still, we're, we're still doing this. We're still doing ridiculous. It gets a bit overboard for me. I mean, there's there's all the ridiculousness in the first sort of two thirds, which yeah. I kind of bought. It was when we got to Samoa for me. Yeah. And I was like, this, I don't know, this rubbish, I can't, I can buy the other Messing around, uh, I can totally get on board with that. Yeah. I just found it a little bit more difficult to do that, mm. um, to get on board with that. But, I mean, the spectacle was still there. It was, you Man, know, really I, good. But I would have loved to be in that storyboard room. Uh, they, okay, we're going to have Dwayne hold on to the chain, to the, you know, to the chopper, and to the truck. I think they got everybody <laughs> drunk and literally was like, what is the most ridiculous thing? You know, you have some of the best ideas when you're drunk. And then the next one, they were like, this is never going to work. But okay, fuck, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I really like it. reminded me with Jason Statham of some of the comedy that he did in Spy. Because I think Jason Statham's really good. Yeah. Dwayne doing, doing a bit of comedy and stuff is great. But the interplay between the two of them was absolutely amazing. But like you... I think Vanessa Kirby was really the one thing that I took away from this movie that I was mm -hmm. like, right. she made the movie. You know, these guys are great, but you kind of know they're going to be great. But she was just like, I, I knew very little about her beforehand, but I was like, it's so watchable. And that right, she got the balance right in the movie, I think. Absolutely. She was a great, great casting option. And talking about kind of the side characters in a way, um, Idris Elba, I think that, you know, you, you can see the, the glass half full or empty there because in one actor, you get the muscle and you get kind of the brains or that ferocity. So yeah. that's great. At the same time, point sadly he doesn't have the chance to show off in any it's one or way, the other you know him, because yeah. we know if we if we see his work and uh, especially luther that he's an amazing actor oh, but sadly luther. he's kind of reduced to the just a bad guy but yeah, you know, yeah. Still, I, he, I again he's very watchable and I, I i enjoy his presence so but i mean i, I didn't leave you wanting a sequel Yes. No, really? I mean, not today. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Give me, give me a couple years. And, uh, That'd be too soon, too furious. Yes, so, too soon, yeah. too furious. Uh, yeah, the, and the question is, what's going to happen with the other 
side of the franchise, you know, because again, they are kind of competing to see who gets more ridiculous and over the top, yeah, and who gets more far fetched. So yeah, I I, I enjoy. It. I had a good time. I, yeah. I was giddy all the time. So the more the better. And the sequel, I was just going to add to that, uh, the sequel follows the generic formula of a sequel. You know, whether it, it's either you add in a potential love interest or you add in uh, a strange family members. But this this movie has both, you know, potential love interest for Dwayne Johnson and a bunch of strange family members. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, that goes to the generic part of the film. But I still have fun overall, definitely. Yeah. Um, to me, as far as summer's gone, summer blockbusters, this kind of delivered what I wanted from a summer blockbuster. Mm. Yeah. You know, and and that to me was 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 fine. And this, this closes the summer, right? This movie pretty much closes the the summer blockbuster for Pretty yeah. much. This, I mean, there's not a huge amount coming after it this. It closes yeah. time and continue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's you nothing know, really in the next couple of weeks that comes sort of close to this. We've got a couple of things that are tailing off a couple of comedies and stuff, but I think this is really the Bowser. last. You know, the 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 big summer movie yeah. with balls, mm. uh, and it does have. Balls. There were lots of jokes about balls in <laughs> it too. Sorry, but yeah, if you if you're a big fan of ball released humor, then this is the movie for you. Um, very different um, from Loose, which is another movie which comes out this week. Um, which is a movie that I that came out of kind of nowhere for me. Uh, this was not a movie that was on my radar at all. Uh, I watched the screener this week, and as far as really theatrical drama that plays out really well on the screen. It's always difficult. It turns out that this was a an adaptation of a play that, that's mm. become this film. And it, it plays beautifully. Uh, a, an amazing cast doing amazing performances. Let's talk about this uh, for a few minutes. You guys have also seen this movie. Uh, Nestor, take the lead on this. What did you think? You're going to have to stop me because I love this movie so yeah. much Then I could talk for three hours okay, about I it. Will, I will <laughs> yes. tell you to shut up. Yes, yeah. and I, I love the film for so many reasons. Um, if we said that Get Out was the social thriller of that year, I think it was 2017, yeah. I think Loose is the social thriller of this year. But in a way, I'm, I'm not sure if I should call it that thriller because the movie, by design, is trying to uh, defy labels in so many ways. Yes. Even in, in what category you put this movie, because usually genre films, if, if you boil them down, they are about uh, good versus evil. Yeah. And I'm not even sure that this movie is about good versus evil. The movie is challenging the audience from the beginning, even for you to figure out who, who who's the good guy here, who, yeah. who who's the bad guy. And it's provocative in the best sense of the word. It provokes thought. You are thinking about what is going on. The movie is so immersive. You are there in the character. You are uh, pushed to confront your comfort zone when it comes to big ideas and yep. social political point of view. Yep. And we all thought that, oh, yeah, this is the, the right way to handle this kind of thing. And this movie says, is it is it really? There are so many questions. It's a big enigma. It's a big moral movie. And it's, it's again, it's about sort of the, the social conscience. And sometimes the correct moral decision isn't the right decision for the time. Mm. And it's, I think for me, it was very much about challenging your own... Your, your own purpose, as in what you seek in a situation, you know, sometimes do you have to compromise on your, your own morality in order to, to do the right thing? And what is the right thing? Is it a right thing for yourself or for someone else for short term or long term gain? Um, I think there are so many things that are, I mean, some of it is race related, some of it is family orientated, some of it is uh, society related, some of it is personal and some of it is bigger picture. Um, it's a movie that I wasn't expecting 
you know, at all or, or what to expect or how it was going to go. Uh, on, on Meet the Movie Press today, it was it was actually uh, Dimitri who uh, referred to this as almost Hitchcockian in style with with the way that this is is played out because it is very much a a, a thriller and a drama. Um, your thoughts on this drama as well? Yes, uh, I agree with both of you um, on all account uh, that the way this movie to me tackles the topical points or themes today like you know white privilege white savior identity ideology uh, pre- uh prejudice racism the way it does it it lives in gray shades you know it's not simple and and everywhere you turn or as the story progresses uh, you realize because at first i thought that loose may be a closeted sociopath but then as i look around like wow there's a, there's plenty enough blame to go around among the characters yeah. he wasn't just loose so i was like if if this is not nominated for best writing category next year best adapt adapt, adapt screenplay then then there'd be like you know a, a riot one thing for me that was really interesting is the fact that two of the main characters, uh, Luce and the teacher played by Octavia Spencer, are both African-American. Yeah. Or, or African-American because they're by adoption for the for the main lead character. <laughs> so even though there is a social tone, it's not about his, his parents are white, but you know, the principal is white. And it's not a case of social justice because it's like, oh, he's a black adopted boy with a white family in a predominantly white school. What do you do? Is it a racism thing? Because the person that often he's coming off against is also non-white. Yeah. So I thought that's a dynamic that we just don't see in movies. It's usually, you know, a, a white school figure and a black student. And we don't often see black protagonist black antagonist we don't see that dynamic which is why the movie sh- kind of shatters your preconceived notion like whoa what do we do here like, yeah you know, it's usually easier than this but now it's hard and know? in a way the movie works as a commentary um of how minorities and especially young african-american men are depicted on film you know mm. when the character very much so. there is yeah, this yeah. A moment where the character Good says point. it feels like we have to choose between being an angel and a monster yeah and the movie is, is challenging that and, and it's challenging uh, not the values. I don't think that it's challenging uh, multiculturalism or, or it's challenging to have this kind of more liberal approach to some issues and yep. and to being an ally. I think that it's um, challenging the way how we articulate those values. And we have the temptation when we see the sociopolitical landscape in the past years in particular to... Uh, Counter to, to to come up with a, a counter argument that is also simple because yes. we see the other side oversimplifying everything in black and white. And this movie says, you know what, we, we have to go into the complexity to really uh, do something that helps us understand better. What is good? What is evil? And it's not okay. It's, it, it looks at the thing of blind faith. We also sometimes politically we have blind faith. If you're one party or the other, it's like you're you know you're ride or die one party. And sometimes you have to look at it and go. In this case, m- my son, who I've protected predominantly for making sure that he has the same um, opportunities as, as his white um, sort of co-students, but it's a case of okay, but you've got to. You can't just do that. You also have to go if he makes a mistake. How do you hold him accountable for that? Uh, there's so many things that are explored in this movie. It, it is absolutely incredible. I, I, I just want to mention the, the acting. The acting is, is oh, amazing. Wow. I mean, obviously, we, we are not going to discover anything new about the, the main three kind of more famous people. Yeah. But uh, Kevin Harrison Jr., oh, the protagonist, yes. does an amazing job. Yeah. And then we have Andrea Bang and Stephanie Blake that have 
small roles, one plays kind of a friend of Luz, the other one, the sister of Octavia Spencer's character. They have their moments to shine, yeah. and what they do is just incredible. And the movie is so affecting. It's, just, it's not just at a mental level, you are viscerally affected. Very much and, so. And it is a challenging experience, and I think there's a satisfying experience at the same time. Let's talk about another satisfying experience, a movie that comes out this week. It's actually the LAOFCS <laughs> pick of the week. Uh, it is The Nightingale. Again, a very another very challenging movie. Uh, it's, it's not a massively wide release, this film, but it's no. from the director and writer of The Babadook. If you can see this movie, if you can find this movie, go and see this movie. Uh, it's kind of a revenge story. It's kind of a gothic thriller. I don't know if I'd classify it as horror, but a Effectively, it, it, there are terms that uh, elements of it that could be seen as a horror. Um, you, I want you guys to take the, the lead on this one. I, it really is one of my favourite films of the year this week. Uh, okay, first of all, Nesta, your thoughts on the Nightingale? I think that when you say go see it, I mean you have to include a big warning. Here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, talking about the Baba look, it's not a, a movie as easy to recommend. It's not like oh, you are into horror movies. It's not an easy watch. No. Yeah. So you have to be prepared for that. The, the movie is very brutal and the question is um, is it worth it you yeah. know to witness all of that violence and level of brutality um, and I think that it depends you know if, if you're a cinephile and you can take something like that and, and you can watch some films like the house that Jack built or something like that and yeah okay, that's fine, I can take it, go see, no problem. But I think that the movie is a little bit repetitive in that regard. And, you know, every revenge thriller needs a trigger at the beginning. I'm no, no, no um, uh, pun intended. But I think that the movie goes to that well too many times throughout the movie, especially when, with one character in particular. Yeah. And I think that there's a point that the, the villain here looks kind of cartoonish. So I would say there is a solid example of its genre, but it's not a genre-defining masterpiece like the Babadook was. No, I, I agree with that. Good but point. for me, I mean, you're absolutely right about this. There's some, some quite graphic sexual violence, and uh, you guys got the same warning as me before we watched this. It was like, there's some serious stuff in here. They refer to it as a trigger warning. Be ready for this, because, you know, get past it. And you'll see the rest of the movie, but it is it is very hard to watch. But having said that, it is not as considering the degree of the warning that I was given. It is not as graphic as I no. as, as horrible as it is. It's mm. not as graphic as I thought it was going to be. And I get your point about the the, the 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 issue of abuse recurring throughout the movie. But for me, I think this for me was a big part of this character played by Sam Claflin, who we usually see as as a pretty boy uh, sort of actor, yeah. being pardon my French, but a complete shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy is an absolute monster, and he goes around just raping. Well, you know, it's, yeah. it, it has no value for, for humans or for women. They are just sexual objects to, to abuse and, and, and demean. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it is hard to watch because that happens a number of times in the movie. But also, I think that's a core part of who he is by the fact that he has no soul. I mean, the guy is a moral black hole. You know, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it had to be in there. You know, I'm not a big fan of of sort of overt uh, that kind of thing in a movie, but I think it had to be there. Rami, your thoughts on the Nightingale? No, to to your point, um, you know, because that's one of the things that I like about this film is the way the way it tackles 
colonization. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he kept saying, like, oh, I've civilized them. You know, I've like the whole, you know, that's his <laughs> motivation. Like, oh, they're barbers. And now, now I've, I've made them, like, you know, not barbarics anymore. So um, By that, doing something barbaric. <laughs> exactly, right? So it's projection. Uh, so um, and so there, there's that, that I feel like, wow, this is good. Especially the dynamic between Franciosi's character and the, uh, I forgot his name, the, the uh, one with the guide. The guy. His name, I'm going to tell you in just a second. By Kali, Kali Ganambar. Yeah, because his get, first movie, yeah. and he does an amazing job. It's incredible. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Incredible. Because in their conversations, in their interactions, there's that you know it always keeps uh, being brought up. Like, wow, you you people did this. No, you people did this to me. So I like that aspect of the film. And and uh, you know, it's not like straight up revenge thriller. Like Jennifer Garner just picks up a gun and just blasts everybody. Yeah. You know, there's one point where she she had that shot. And she she froze, or she had that shock, or she still didn't there's still like humanity the exactly. in that. But one thing you're talking about the you know the where the indigenous uh, tribe, as they refer to them as the blacks, um, they they're talking about you know the, the the people who come to their land to take it, you know the Irish and the British, and he sees her um, as as white over everything else, not knowing that white Irish and white English what the English did to the Irish and how she also hates this same white demon even though she's white and they came from kind of the same area and I think it's really interesting that's something again that is a dynamic that's not explored in a lot of movies Mm. it's like and it was it was amazing to see this interaction and their relationship build throughout the film it was very very powerful um it was great no go on yeah just uh, uh, that's why movies like loose and and the nightingale present these awesome uh, topics and and complications i think it's uh this is not the movie for everybody the nightingale but yeah. i think f- to watch loose and the nightingale is very important for people today uh to you know it helps open your mind so you won't you won't be a simpleton because you know some people are like oh no it's just gonna be like this and that's it but these movies actually challenge your preconceived notions. So here's a question for you both. Um, a lot of people like the Babadook, and the Babadook became something which became a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if if people liked the Babadook, will they also like the Nightingale? Because it is a very different beast to the Babadook. I think that you're talking about slightly different audiences. Yeah, you know? I think so too. I, I think that for the bigger audience that that like uh, horror movies and they, they're going to be able to appreciate that uh, talking about the Babadook this film again if you're more into kind of cinephile art house and you can take uh, revenge stories that are very harsh yeah. you, you're going to be fine but you need kind of to, to prepare for that what I really like about this film as well is that it is tackling those bigger issues and kind of the point of their Story, this uh, kind of friendship that start to build in front of your eyes is that they start to realize all the the BS that in a way uh, yeah. it has been imposed, you know, because they are a product of yeah. that time as well. At the beginning, she sees him as, so- as someone that is inferior, you know, mm-hmm. and they realize throughout the film that they are both kind of in the same place. She's yeah. a second-class citizen just because being a, she's a woman and he's not even considered human, mm. you know? And it, it reminds me of this special that uh, George Carlin did or a routine or something where he was talking about those blue eyes, you know, talking about yeah. colon- colonization. Yep. Those blue eyes that spread around the world I, I did all of those horrific things. So in a way, it's kind of an, an indictment of that thing that happened, you know, uh, decades ago yeah. and at the same time it's a response to what is going on right now you know this kind there of, are a lot of parallels this yeah. male yeah. predatory 
tendency that yeah. it has been entitlement called out ownership. in the industry. Yeah. And I think that it's a kind of a, uh, I don't want to say violent response, but it's a very kind of energetic response to what's going on right now as well. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, do, do you feel the same way? Yeah, well, I agree. And I love movies that make you think and spark a conversation. And that's uh, what these movies are, Lucy and uh, uh, Luce and uh, The Nightingale. And I, I think to, to your point, uh, um, it's not like you can, you know, about Jordan Peele's movies. Like, if you like Get Out, you like us. It's like, oh, if you like The Babadook, you, uh, I don't know if this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> the Nightingale. <laughs> it's, but I, I mean, it's a very yeah. rewarding watch. I mean, it's not an easy watch, exactly. but it really is a movie that gives you so much to, to think about. Mm. Um, so if you can find it, it's the it's the uh, the movie pick of the week for the um, the LA OFCS. Um, really good choice actually this week. Okay, we got uh, we got about seven minutes left on the show. So uh, in celebration of Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> snappy title everybody. Uh, it's the only mainstream release this week. I want to have a look at uh, the the uh, it's the first spin off from the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, I want to have a quick conversation about our favourite films that are spin offs. So uh, we've got about five minutes on this before we close the show. Okay, so who do you want to go to first? Uh, let's go to go ahead. Nesta, yeah, because yeah, I really yeah, want to hear yeah. your choices on this one. Yeah. Okay, so your favorite film spin-offs go. Uh, it's it's a very short list, you know. It, 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 is, yeah. it gets tricky because you know right now it's hard to say is this a prequel, sequel, sequel, spin-off? What is going on? <laughs> uh, so is, is Creed a spin-off? I'm not sure because we didn't get to know, yeah. um, you know, Adonis before. In a way, it is, but it's also kind of a sequel, so it's, it's hard to say. I would go with just two animated films. Okay. One is Shaun the Ship. That is awesome. I, I, I did love, not see that coming. I, I did not see Shaun that coming. Okay. <laughs> and Lego wow. Batman. Lego Batman. I think Lego Batman, for me, you know what? I, I wasn't crazy about the, the first Lego movie. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. I respect it and everything. But Lego Batman, because just... You know, the, my affinity with the character. Yeah. It, it worked better for me. So I, I would go with those. Do you know, that wasn't on my list. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. Damn you. Good choices. Uh, okay, Rama, yours. Uh, I guess the most recent to my memory is Bumblebee. I, I like oh, that one. Shit, yeah. that wasn't on my list either. <laughs> God damn it! Finally, right? The Transformers movie that's actually good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, and But Batman is also a close second for me. The Batman Lego, I'm sorry. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. I, I actually had a couple. Creed is on there. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Nesta. Um, that's a sequel. Yeah, it kind of is a sequel. I mean, I was like, ah, I don't know. Um, Annabelle Creation is one for me that is a, a sequel to a spin-off, but it's also a prequel. Um, for me, that's the best of the the. the, the Spin-offs in the in the Conjuring universe, uh, Rogue One oh. is a Star Wars spin-off. Uh, in case you haven't heard of that little indie movie, uh, it did quite well at the box office. I was a big fan of Rogue One. I know that movie gets a lot of stuff. And here's one that's going to divide people: Freddy versus Jason. Ooh. I saw that movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah, in theaters, I paid for that movie. So, oh, we all paid for that movie. Yes, in some did. way, we all paid for that movie. But it's so good. I mean, it's so bad, but it's so good. That's one of those. I agree so with the first so part of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I too, I've watched that movie so, so many fun. times on like cable, or like I've come wow. home a bit drunk and I'm like, what's all I want? <laughs> I was very again. I mean, it's yeah, it's a bit of a stinker, but I kind of love. And that we movie. are talking about the rock, so we have to mention mm. uh, Scorpion King. That is so funny. Because Do we have to mention the <laughs> Scorpion King? <laughs> Scorpion King. It's a spin-off prequel of. Uh, the sequel uh, yeah. that also spawned its own sequels mm. so it gets right. insane it's very involved but I do like the mention of Lego Batman 
You see, I completely I forgot about that. Bumblebee is another one. Bumblebee is a movie that really surprised me. That should have done way better at the box office. And I think it it was the the failure of many of the last Transformers movies to really engage audiences that unfortunately killed it. If you haven't seen Bumblebee, that is such a great movie. Really good. And it proved that Travis Knight, obviously the director who previously done a lot of stuff with Leica, can really deliver a a live-action show. Um, it's a great movie. No, no minions, everybody. No. This no, I mean I like, I like the minions I movies. I gotta I be honest with you, I do enjoy them. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's not going to be on my spinoffs. <laughs> I did. I was tempted to put in uh, Get Him to the Greek, uh, which was obviously oh, a you know a spinoff right. from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's right. But there's so much in that film that I really think sucks. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I love it now more because I live in L.A. Uh, it came out in London uh, when I was living there. But, uh, yeah, this was not... Uh, it's just not a good movie. I tried to rewatch that, and there's so many things in that film that don't work. And, and I think that more, most spin-offs don't really work. You yeah. know, uh, we have the Burn Legacy, that's a great example. Is that oh, those yeah. movies that are living in the shadow of something else so yeah. much... But they cannot take off and bring their own flavor to the table. So it's very risky as well. Yeah, it's a huge risk. Uh, so, guys, we're going to run through all the movies that we've talked about on the show today. Tal Aviv on Fire, obviously not, because none of us have seen that, unfortunately. Uh, Love Antosha, Them That Follow, Hobson Shaw, Loose, and The Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were selling it to me, which is the movie that I should spend uh, 15 bucks on this Luce. weekend? Luce. I think that Loose is a better movie than The Nightingale. I mean, I appreciate both. But going back to the Nightingale, I think that in the third act, the movie kind of deflates a little bit. It, okay. it loses focus and the momentum that yeah. it was having. So I think that Loose is a more round-up film and more consistently from beginning to end. Uh, I think it's a tie between Loose and Nightingale, but Nightingale is not a movie for everybody. So how did Loose you know, eventually yeah. become the winner? There'll, there'll be a huge amount of the audience that will simply... I, I think people who aren't ready for the violence at the mm-hmm. beginning of The Nightingale, who I think will just be turned off or walk out. Yeah, And that's a, it's a tough bridge to get over, but once you do, I find that film rewarding. I would probably say, to be honest with you, as much fun as I had with Hobson Shaw and it really entertained me, I think Loose is going to be the movie for me this week that just delivers more of everything that I wanted, which is everything from performances to really, you know, getting my, my, my brain working as small as my brain is. And I'm, I'm worried that the movie's going to get lost in the shuffle when That's it comes the to big awards problem. season. Oh. So, no. I th- I, do you know what? I, I fear you're absolutely right. Um, I think it might, uh, things like, uh, you know, the Indie Spirit Awards and stuff like that, I think it will get. Or do you know what? If there was only a group that really wants to celebrate film and diversity and representation, <laughs> if only there was some kind of Los Angeles-based online film critic society <laughs> that, I don't know, would maybe support movies like this and reward, you know, the people behind them. I don't know, maybe someone should create that. That should also have a show. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, next week... Uh, I'm not going to be here. Someone else is going to be in the chair. We are going to be talking about the following movies on it. The Art of Racing in the Rain, The Kitchen, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and more. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, to remind those people who are watching, who are you, where are you from? Rama, if you could go first, please. Yes, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and all the social media, Rama Screen, and subscribe to YouTube.com slash Rama Screen 1. And Nestor. You can find me on Twitter as Nestor Cine, and also there's the Hollywood. Uh, please visit the website, there's the Hollywood.com and the YouTube channel Nestor Cine. And congratulations on your recent nuptials. 
Thank you so much. Sorry, ladies, it's off the market. Sorry, <laughs> off the market. You just have to look from now on. <laughs> I always appreciate it. My name is Simon Thompson. You can find me at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me on another show here uh, on the Popcorn Talk Network at Meet the Movie Press, which is live every Friday at 9.10, where we talk about not only the week's big releases, but we talk about the week's big movie news stories. Uh, so uh, please do check that out. Also, really appreciate it. As always, all the shows on the Popcorn Talk Network are available here on YouTube. If you like it, leave a comment, like, subscribe, and tell everybody. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, where we have the great honour of uh, of being part of the Curated Movie Fanatics series at the moment on Apple Podcasts. So thank you, Apple, for that. A wee doff of the cap. Uh, thank you for watching the show. Uh, we hope you'll tune in again. We hope you like this. Please comment below. We want to hear from you, because without you guys watching the show, there's really no point in us being here. <laughs> have a good week, everybody. Thank you so much. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.